happening? This your boy, Little Thog. Infinity Click. What's up, Tony? What's happening? Let's go. Snap my finger. Do you dare? I can do it all by myself. Wanna see me do it? Gonna see me do it? Snap my finger. Do you dare? I can do it all by myself. Wanna see me do it? Gonna see me do it? Killing 50 50. Yeah, I leave some. A bitch just can't stop my gold affinity. Glove. Hawk tried to box, but I got better hands. I took him on the ground and on his back is where he lands. Purple and gold. I'm trying to do good. But overpopulation isn't really understood. I'm the mad titan. Gamora made me cry. I got my soul stone and it was worth it. Her life. Play some jock jams. Cause I got the power. Took strange stone. Yeah, less than the hour. Spotty tried his best. Weak like his you mess with big boys, you're gonna end up dead Destroyed the mind stone, brought vision back Took it from his forehead and that's a straight fact Thor swung his axe right in my chest I still snap my fingers, cause you know I'm the best Snap my fingers, do you dare? I can do it all by myself Wanna see me do it? Gonna see me do it? For the A, about to end the game. We've been fighting all day. Pouring up the scotch. I won't die alone. Nanotech armor suit shines like chrome. Look around New York. What do I see? Avengers who survive must depend on me. He snapped his fingers, tried to make it new, all, all by himself. That's a bold move. Barney, where are you from? You look big and dumb. Built a better glove. Let me show you how it's done. Had to grab your hand, bring back all the stones. Straight from your glove, I thank you for the loan. Oh, now you're screwed. Cause me and the crew are taking down your army and your big ass too. Sorry you try to snap, you look like a fool. I'm sorry, Pepper Pot, I sacrificed for you. Snap my finger, now you're dead. I didn't do it all by myself, but did you see me do it? Did you see me do it? Do it, do it. Snap my finger, now you're dead. I didn't do it all by myself, but kinda I did. Did you see me do it, Pepper? Did you see me do it, Pepper? Hey, Pepper, were you watching? I did kinda do it all myself, though. Really? Uh, yeah. Statue, monument made to me. Whatever, meter, park. Uh, yeah, a statue would be great. No, I mean, I helped to. No, you didn't. No, you didn't. One, two, three, one, two, we're running and screaming, not sure what about.
Yeah, what? 
just don't care. I can't go wrong, can you love if I somebody say, oh yeah. Throw your hands up in the air, and I like you just don't care. I can't go wrong, can you love if I somebody say, oh yeah. How y'all feel out there? Oh yeah. All right. To the tip top, I don't need a pit stop. I'm grinding like the gears in a wristwatch. Try me in my money, yeah, that barrel turns red with a stick top. Have you put your hands over your shoulder like crisscross? In your casket, pissed off. Cool the bottom, like we waste an ammo. Had that chopper dumping like a snare. Responded to you, so he's he got your link. He just didn't respond to me, which is fine. At least we know he's in contact. That's not Pluto. I just wanna drip it down my wrist one time. Living like a player, I can hit one time. Got one Glock on me, get hit a full time. Yes, it's back to the trap. It's been a long time. Tell a bean pie when I end the bull tie. She really can't swim when she end the bull ride. Yeah, you're flexing with a winner this time. Got money on my mind. It's been a long grind. Hey there, General Red Review here with Old Colony Pest Control. If you're having pest problems in a commercial or residential setting, we're the people to call. Veteran-owned, based in Massachusetts and Rhode Island, Old Colony has been here servicing your homes proudly, and we plan to keep it up. Our team is fast, efficient, and reliable. We go above and beyond to cater each project's individual need. No task is too much for us, so give us a call. 774 400 5993. Again, the number is 774-400-5993. Hope to hear from you soon. General Red Review, out.
This is Deanna Marie, and you're listening to Hoobazoo.com. The following conversation is real. It took place on Tuesday, June 8th of 2004 between a Blonde Star advisor and a subscriber. Blonde Star emergency. This is Steve. Is there an emergency in your vehicle? Oh my God. Oh my God. I've locked myself in my car and the keys are on the outside. Ma'am. Oh my God. Ma'am, I need you to calm down. Okay. It's, it's just that the windows are rolled up and I'm starting to sweat. My keys are on the outside. Now, your keys are on the outside of the vehicle? Yes. Oh my God. Now, does your car have automatic locks or? Uh, yes, 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 okay, yes. Here's what I need you to do. Take hold of the inside of your door handle there. Are you doing this? Um. The shiny thing. Grab the uh, shiny thing. Uh, okay, I've got it. I've got it. Okay, now give that a tug. Okay. Did it open? Yes. Oh, my God. Thank you. Okay, now what is that noise? Oh, that's my door alarm. Yeah, but that only happens if the keys are in the ignition, hun. Oh, my God. You know what? Your keys are actually in your ignition. Yes. Okay. Oh my God! Thank you so much, Blonde Star. That's why we're here. Do you need anything else? Blonde Star, always on, because you're always blonde. Can you dig it? Can you dig it? Can you dig it? What are we starting with? This is madness. This is a booth. Staring down, looking at the blood stained concrete. You're the dead MC, flying at my feet. You took a nine millimeter rhyme straight to your mind. Damn, I better split. This is my time, so I make my way up the block. Get to home base and lock them. Uh. Crack the Cavassier and grab the phone. Call one of my troops up. Hope the soldier's when he says, Yo, what's up? What's going on? Make it quick, cause yeah, I'm, I'm trying to get my stellar on. Go. You grow up in the. These lyrical assassins tried to pull a hit and then boom came a noise from the other room. It was the boys in blue with the SWAT crew. They got us locked up for lyrical murder. It's one of them charges that you never heard of. It's the booth. The booth. The booth. The booth. Yeah, it's the booth. The booth. The booth. Yeah, we're killing all your podcasts like the HIV virus. You want to battle this kid? Huh, don't even try this. Back the uh. up, think again, count to ten. You want to grab that mic just to get done in? It's the booth. The booth. The booth. Well, that's right. It's not yeah, it's the booth. The booth. The booth. Yeah, it's the booth. Yeah. All right, your boy Sinister One broadcasting live from the City of Champions. You are listening to The Booth, and uh, we are awaiting the arrival of Ken Diesel here. And I want to give a big thanks to last week's guests, Jason Nichols, Katie L.A. Dubs of Cult Music, and Kevin Tachi of WATDFM. We talked a little bit of Patriots last week and what was going on with the dumping of Ken Newton 
And um, it's kind of it was a kind of a big surprise here. Rob was pretty. I, I, I gotta say this before I even get into my. You, you see my guests over here joining me. Might as well. You know, we're waiting for Ken. Rob Resnick's over here tonight, first Tuesday of the month. Rob, you are the only person outside of New England, other than Cerrone, Battle Ackerman, who's down in North Carolina. It's only you two people who predicted and called. Cam Newton getting dumped. Now, on this very show, we talked about Cam Newton. We talked about... Oh, hold on. Ken's here, and I'm just going to have to bring him in now. He's... Bring Ken in here. Hey, Ken. It wasn't even worth taking a break because we just we just came in. And let me get the cameras set right. Ken, you there? Unmute your mic, please. Why is he fixing his hair? This dude's fixing his hair like he's... He doesn't know we're on. <laughs> Good thing he's dressed. Ken, we're, we're on. We can't hear you. You have to unmute your mic. I'm gonna ask, This dude, every week, it's like it, every month now, it's like he's new at this. I told you I was going to be a couple of minutes late. I texted you ahead of time with me. Come on, say, because I was stuck in traffic. You, you, you we just, knew. You we knew. Want, we were stalling we, for you. <laughs> you just want to make a rival. So I was getting into the last week's guest. Thank last week's guest. And I was about to give humongous kudos to Rob and Sarone Battle Ackerman because when we talked about Cam Newton on this show a while back, we talked about this whole thing with him with COVID and not wanting to get vaccinated. And Rob was the only one who said he's going to unvax himself out of a job. You you mentioned this. I'm going to let you, you big kudos because you called it. You You saw it. You said no team should put up with this, and if I, you know, you said these guys got to go, and I'm going to let you speak on it because you're one of the first ones that called it a month ago. Yeah, I mean, look, the, there are a couple of reasons. It, it's not just the vaccination issue, although that's critical this year because the NFL got a little bit smarter, and they're not going to keep postponing games and trying to juggle crazy scheduling issues. If you're if you're not able to play because your team came down with COVID, then you forfeit. And so teams across the NFL have to be much more careful in how they regulate vaccines among the players, coaches, and other you know, health-related issues because there's too much on the line. Every game in the NFL counts. It's a short season. So when you have a guy like Cam Newton, who you know, basically he was not the future of the Patriots, right? He, he, he maybe had another year or two left to play. He could probably get picked up by another team this season if he's worth the distraction, but he was never the future of the Patriots. And, and Mac Jones has been so impressive that Cam Newton became expendable. Everybody knows that. And so when he became a distraction to the team with the vaccination issue, uh, and you know, remember Bill Belichick, right? You don't fool around. That's you know, right. you, you, that, that's a disciplined team. And, and that's how they've been able to be successful with multiple iterations of players for such a long time, because whoever he brings in, he reads in the riot act and says, this is a team, not an individual. And so Cam Newton has always been about Cam Newton. And, uh, you know, you could, you could just see the writing on the wall. So, you know, he didn't want to stay there because he wasn't going to start. And he just, you know, he joined them last year because he saw a chance to start um, and that's all he's about. I don't blame him for that. Everybody wants to start. That's fine. He's got a, you know, a, a short lifespan left in the NFL. He might as well start somewhere. He's not ready to go be a backup and a mentor. I'm not sure if he's ever going to be a backup or a mentor. It's not his style. But anyway, um, you know, that was my thought process that uh, they can't you can't afford players like this right now. Now, the difference is contrast this to uh, Lamar Jackson, right? 
uh, we talked about him too, and uh, in Baltimore, and you know he's he's quite a distraction and quite a threat to the team if he remains unvaccinated. To my knowledge, he still is. He's gotten COVID twice mm-hmm. already, so he's obviously susceptible to it, and he's not immune to it. Uh, and so, if, if Lamar Jackson goes down, that that hurts Baltimore. Uh, and if he brings it into the locker room and the team breaks down, you know, then you've got perhaps multiple games at stake uh, because people have to recover it and what have you. But he is the starting quarterback. He is that entire offense for the most part. And so they're willing to tolerate that because uh, that's another team that didn't normally tolerate. Well, in the past they did, but under recent years, they didn't really tolerate that much. Um, but they're making an exception for him. So it's really about what the team sees as their future. And I got to thank Dave Haggerty and Angel Robertson in the chat. How's it going, guys? And before we get into some of our topics and things today, Ken, while we're on this topic of employers and vaccinations, there's, there's some misconception out there because OSHA says that your job cannot require you to have a vaccination. This is what OSHA is saying in their pamphlets, but the employee rights is saying that your employer can very well make it mandatory, depending what you do for work, to have a vaccination. So now there's this back and forth between OSHA now. Well, well hold on. And, and I, I want you to be able to kind of, what, I what think is the truth? Okay, well, the truth is, you need to understand, OSHA is saying from their perspective, from a regulatory agency's perspective, they can't compel an employer, or they cannot, they will not force an employer to mandate that the employees get vaccinated. That doesn't gotcha. mean the employer can't require the vaccination. It just says that OSHA is not going to enforce that requirement because it's not a sa- workplace safety related issue. So people remember, are reading into that wrong. People are mis- yeah, they're reading into it wrong. And gotcha. I, I read the same bulletin, and I had actually talked to a number of people who are experts in this. And I am not an expert. I talked to them, my colleagues, and they said, no, 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 no. What they're saying is it's not it's not like it's a workplace safety issue vis-a-vis wearing hard hats at construction sites, having electrical stuff grounded, uh, making sure people who drive public transportation vehicles like buses and trains and planes are sober and not mm-hmm. intoxicated. That they can require. They can say, but since this is not, we're not getting involved. We can't compel the employer. The employer can't rest it on us now. Employers have always had wide discretion on issues regarding protecting the public. They can require you not to come to work when you're sick, saying, no, well, you're sick, you're not coming to work, whether it's COVID or the flu or the chicken pox or whatever. They can require you to, if you're in the restaurant industry specifically, and this came, came a lot, is dealing with hair. And a lot of employers wouldn't allow people with, with dreadlocks or other types of extraneous hair to work there. And the compromise was, well, tie it up or put it in a bun or put it in a hat. And employers, and that allowed employers were allowed to do. I have no problem saying, if you're an employer saying, look, you need to be vaccinated to come to work for me because you're a threat not only to my to me, but to your fellow employees, but to the public at large. And I'm not going to employ someone who is going to be a threat because I could then get sued because I created a situation where I was a public health threat, uh, a threat to public health. For example, how many times have you seen the Sinister One? No shirt, no shoes, no service. 
everywhere. Almost everywhere right? you go to purchase food, restaurants, yeah, everywhere. Why do you think all restaurant owners require people to wear shirts and shoes? It was a health issue. Exactly. Bare skin, yeah. Exactly. The same way they are saying, don't want to get, we can't afford to get vaccinated. But if you don't want to get vaccinated, you don't work here. End of story. And I, I work in public transportation, and I know that, you know, we were told when COVID was really hitting, you know, if you had three of the symptoms, you couldn't come to work. You know, and guys were like, well, how can they tell us? Well, we're public. Our job can't yeah. tell you. You couldn't come to work. And if you came to work and if you we had because we had to take temperatures every time you yep. before you even scanned in, you took a temperature. If you had a low grade fever higher than ninety nine point. I forget what it was, but you couldn't work for the day. I had to send yep. you home. Um, and they had every right to do that as far yeah. as public. So um, I'll, get, I'll give you an example. The court system in Massachusetts, every court I got into, I get a temperature check. Well, and I have to ask the questions. They're still doing temperature checks. And I've been vaccinated. When I go to a prison to visit my clients, I have to go through the question. Have I you know, left the country in the past 30 days? Are you vaccinated? Are you, you know, still got to do that? And I have to wear a mask in court and at prisons. Yeah, Boston has yet. So those are, I know people are complaining because Boston went back to having masks indoors. Uh, before we get into our topics and my sponsors, Duchenne Muscular Dystrophy Awareness Day. I got to give a big shout out to Mark Schapetter and his boys. Um, they're beating the odds right now. They're kicking, like <laughs> like Mark said, they're giving a big F you to Duchenne Muscular Dystrophy. So the Duchenne Muscular Dystrophy Awareness Day. Big shout out to Mark Schapetter and his boys. Um MDB Electronics is one of my sponsors. Also, make sure to visit Vianna Marie's Music everywhere, streaming online. Tactical Target Systems, if you need targets, zombie targets like I have, you want to reach out to them, get them going. My cousin's website, rebelrom.com. And as you heard, the new sponsor of the show, Carl Bunnell, veteran-owned. We're trying to promote veteran-owned businesses to give them a hand during this time. Uh, Old Colony Pest Control. So reach out to him. There's his number displayed there. He's also insured and secured. Um, and make sure you show him some business. Uh, let's get into the news booth here. Uh, here locally, the prelims are to take place on September 14th. Mayor Sullivan is hiring Sidney Merrill as his new chief of staff after Kerry Richards stepped down. Uh, the 14th is when the prelims take over, and things are going to get pretty interesting around here for running for mayor. Um, before Ken came on, we were talking about the rat, Enrique Otario, to do five months in jail for burning a BLM flag and asking for cash before going into prison. Now, we've all felt that he was a rat. We felt that, you know, he was a snitch. And, you know, after he's gone in, the Proud Boys are kind of falling. I want you guys to kind of describe, because there's a lot of people out there who don't understand and are up in arms. Like, well, why is he going to jail for burning the BLM flag, but he's not going to jail? You know, why are these other people not going to jail for burning American flags or whatever flags? And I know why, but can you guys explain the difference between the destruction of property and, and freedom of speech stuff. Um, I'll let Asquay go first, and Ken will give his. Yeah, the, the immediate and fast answer is he's not going to jail for burning a flag. Flag burning is protected free speech, whether people like it or not. And some people find it incredibly offensive, but it, the Supreme Court has repeatedly held it is not considered a provocation, and therefore it is protected free speech. 
What he's being punished for is the destruction of somebody else's personal property, which is the same thing as it would be if it was the American flag. You can burn an American flag or a BLM flag or a Proud Boys flag or a state of Massachusetts flag. You could put, you could burn any flag you want to if you own it, if it's your property. If you steal it from somebody and you destroy somebody else's property, then of course that's what the crime is. So this punishment is being meted out based on destruction of someone's private property, not because it was a flag. He took it off a of church. Ken, you want to add to that? Because you're a defense uh, No, he, he got absolutely right. The Supreme Court has repeatedly said that you cannot be punished for burning a American flag. However, the Supreme Court never said that was not a license to go out and burn every American flag you see. If, if I go out to your house and I burn your Patriots flag or I burn an American flag or I burn your son's Eagles flag, I'm going to get prosecuted for malicious destruction of personal property, regardless of what the flag was. It doesn't make a difference. It, what makes a difference is it was your property or your son's property and not mine. He if took he it went off a out, church. What? He took it off a church. Right. If he had gone out, bought his own BLM flag, and walked over to Lafayette's, uh, Lafayette Park right outside the White House and burned it there, maybe they could cite him for starting a fire in a public place without a permit. That's about it. End of discussion. Cool. I want because I wanted to get it out there, and I seen a lot of people going back and forth, and you know how it is on social media these days. Everybody thinks they know everything when it comes to <laughs> look freedom of a, speech. <laughs> there's someone. There was a a company out there that I want to get this coffee cup that says, "Don't confuse my law degree with your Google search." <laughs> <laughs> I've seen those on Facebook. <laughs> all right getting i got these guys on here so i i really stack the legal booth when these guys come on i really stack uh biden bomb shells and legal booth because these guys know what they're talking about sometimes when i have some of this stuff on here i, I it's more of my opinion i don't know i don't have the legal background that these guys do so i have to let people know you know hey this is just my opinion so i made sure i stacked it today with some things that we need to talk about um, a judge has ruled that hospitals cannot be forced. Now they've changed this because it was a it was a different way before. Can't be forced to administer ivermectin for COVID. Now the reason why I'm bringing this up and the hypocrisy of this is is because comedian Joe Rogan contracted COVID. Now for weeks, for months, he's been spewing this whole thing about he's not getting vaccinated because he doesn't trust what they're putting into it and this and that and this and that. Yet, he gets COVID. He's all over social media talking about how he took Ivectin to get back. And it's like, but the FDA's never approved it. And medical scientists and doctors have <laughs> have not accepted this. So your the hypocrisy of some of these people me, drive me up crazy. So I'll ask Ken, what, what is going on here with the judge reversing their ruling on hospitals forcing to administer this? Well, well, first of all, a hospital can't be forced to administer any drug they don't want to. That's mm -hmm. let's start with that. They, um, what there was initially was there was some confusion about the decision. I haven't seen the original decision. I only saw the follow up one. Mm -hmm. Basic, basically, was there was some confusion about whether a patient could select the medications that he wanted to use that the hospital was using. Key phrase: If the hospital's got a litany of drugs. And they refuse to give you one 
for any other reason that you couldn't afford it. There was some confusion about that. So basically, the key word is, does the hospital stock this particular drug? If they do, then they, and it is medically appropriate to use a particular drug for your condition, the hospital cannot refuse to give it to you if you can afford it. And that's the, that's the bailiff of the decision. It's been so utterly confused. Hospitals can deny to give you drugs anytime they feel like it for one simple reason. It's an inappropriate drug to give you. Mm. That's why you have pharmacies. That's why you have, you, you have people constantly looking to make sure this drug won't conflict with other drugs you're taking. So this idea that hospitals are not allowed to deny you drugs, they do it all the time for medically sound reasons. So that's basically all it is, is boil it down. If the drug is appropriate for use, if they stack it, and if you can afford it, they can't deny you access to it. That's all that says. And that's been around for years. Gotcha. As for this clown, as for this clown, it's like, for God's sakes, you know, maybe if you're that concerned with what goes into the COVID vaccine, may I strongly suggest you go to the CDC's website and look at the research that's been published because all that stuff's been published. Yeah. The CDC <laughs> did give approval. You can go there and read it till your eyes bleed. I tried, and frankly, I got to about three pages of it, and I turned off because I had no idea what they're talking about. I might as well speak in Greek. I have a friend, and I'm not going to call him out here, but I have a friend who drinks a lot of diet soda, and he keeps going on and on about not wanting to get vaccinated because he doesn't know what's in it. And I'm like, well, you do know it's an aspartame, right, which is in that diet soda you're drinking. Because that's loaded with a ton of stuff that's probably a thousand times worse. <laughs> which oh, is, yeah. It's known, yeah. it's known to cause cancer. It's known to really destroy your body. And I'm like, it, it, the, the, hypocrite is, the hypocrite syndrome is driving me up a wall. It just, right well, now, well, it's bad. The problem is they've been listening to too much right-wing radio and parroting mm. what they say. And and mm. first of all, most of these people have been vaccinated, not every single right-wing radio fanatic, but most of them have. And they're just spewing this stuff out. And they're going, oh, we're not news, we're entertainment. Well, you know, I don't take my medical advice from Game of Thrones either, for a good reason. <laughs> Anything you want to add to that, R-Squid? Yeah, you know, I remember Joe Rogan when he hosted Fear Factor. You know, the only way Joe Rogan becomes relevant again is if he goes on a ventilator for the next month and then maybe people <laughs> will care what he has to say. The uh, you know, the fact of the matter is Ken, everything Ken said is exactly right. Here's the thing. I could get the flu tomorrow and the next day I could go to Duncan and buy a dozen, you know, fat pills. OK, and I can go home and I could eat the entire box of a dozen delicious cream filled donuts. And the day after that, I could be feeling much better from my flu. Guess what? The donuts didn't cure my flu. OK, there's absolutely no medical evidence that the donuts would cure my flu. Maybe I felt better until I ate the box and then I threw up. But, uh, but the fact of the matter is, you know, that's ivermectin. All right. If you take it and you don't die from it, it's not what fixed you. OK, people are dying from it. Have you read the, you know, the list of, of you know, side effects? People go into massive vomiting, massive diarrhea. I mean, it's disgusting. It's uncontrollable. <laughs> you 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 are going to die a horrific death, probably. And if not, then you're going to be one of the lucky ones that just maybe has a mild illness, but it is not going to fix you. There is no human condition other than when you get a parasite like the animals that it's for. Can you use ivermectin safely? So, you know, people want to sue a hospital because the hospital is trying to give them drugs that work. 
I mean, you know, that's that's what it's at. And this is this is a new low for us, really. If you think about it, people are not only asking for this thing, but when the doctors take the time to explain it to them and say, listen, you know, ivermectin isn't it hasn't been approved. It's never not one single time proven to be effective on covid. Uh, we have these other drugs that we'd like to give you that would work. And you say, no, I think I'll take the the cow <laughs> anti-parasite disease, please. You know, then just go home and die. Just go home and die. Stop taking a bed from a person who got the vaccine, who's trying to stay healthy and now has a heart attack and is being denied medical service in a hospital because these morons are taking up the beds. I'm sorry. It's incredibly offensive to me. Mm. <laughs> oh, I wasn't expecting that. Oh, man. Good stuff. Uh, moving on into the... Oh, wait a minute. Hold on. This is the other story that I wanted to bring up. Uh, Capital Rioters lawyer has COVID. There's, there's a massive group of uh, those who are being charged with the riots on January 6th. Their lawyer has COVID, and now they're worried that he may have flown the coop with their legal funds. So we're going to have to keep an eye on that story. Um, that would be color me of... surprised. <laughs> Ken, you got anything to say about this story? I, they think he might have flown the coop with their money. I'm shocked, shocked <laughs> to find out there's gambling going on in this establishment. <laughs> I saw this story that just said, Man, karma, karma, karma. Um, the Capitol Riot inquiry is now stepped up. They're now investigating if President Trump's White House was involved in the attack. The reason why they're doing this, they want to, there's some things that happened on January 6th that there's questionable that some of these people had inside info. We talked, we actually talked about this on this show. Um, Ayanna Presley's um, underneath her desk, I guess, secu- uh, maintenance or something that come through and disconnected the button under her desk uh, just a week prior with no warning. And, um, and there was this story about there were some tours that went on around the White House that was kind of questionable the week before. So this is why this is kind of, it's not a witch hunt. This is this is based on fact. R squared, I know you touched base on this. You want to just talk about that real quick, why this is being done? Well, obviously, the the big issue with this entire investigation is whether they can link it to official action in advance. We know that these militia groups were planning this for quite a long time because as we've talked about this on the show, they came prepared, they were wearing uniforms, body armor, they had communications devices, they had physical plans of the building, they had tactical plans. I mean, this this was not a spontaneous thing. Now, there were people there that did it spontaneously, but these groups had been planning it for a long time. So that's that's proven. You You can't argue against that. There's overwhelming evidence of it, even just from watching it. And so the question becomes, in as part of their advanced planning, did they have any assistance from anybody within the Capitol, whether you're talking about elected officials or their staff members, and whether or not they had any assistance from the White House? Now, I think it's going to be next to impossible to link them to President Trump because, uh, let's face it, he's... He, he, he does a lot of things, but he's not going to use his own cell phone for that. He would have had one of his other people make those communications. But if it's done on his behalf, it's just as bad. So the real piece of this investigation, the real meat of this, which is why they've been asking for telephone records and, and other documents, is to try to figure out who within the Capitol and who within the White House had communication with these individuals or these groups uh, at least a day or so, if not weeks in advance. Uh, because we know that they were calling for this for months. 
Trump himself was was making hints about it. Don Jr. was making hints about it. This is a big thing. And so when you get to the actual uh, events of January 6th, one of the things that they found out when they were trying to make repairs to the Capitol, you know, we don't know the full extent of the damage. Okay. We watched on television. We saw that they broke into the chamber. We saw that they were breaking through the perimeter. We saw a tremendous amount of damage. We saw, you know, what happened to the Capitol police and, and other law enforcement that were there that were attacked, but we never got a tour of the Capitol building itself. Now the investigation has this, we just haven't seen it yet. It probably will be something very revealing uh, if and when this becomes public. And the reason I'm saying that is because what, we, what we've been learning is that in advance of January 6th, whether it was the day before or shortly before, uh, people acting at somebody's behest, somebody told them to do this. They went into specific members of Congress's office. And this is where you get into Congresswoman uh, Presley and, and others where they, their uh, panic buttons basically were dismantled, disconnected. And every member of Congress has a panic button because they're all subject, especially in today's crazy world, they're all subject to attack and people can get through and you know what have you. So they all have a panic button. And uh, their panic buttons were intentionally uh, disconnected in advance of January 6th because they were on the target list. And so this is what they're looking for. They're trying to figure out who helped them to, to develop the target list? Was it, you know, were there members of Congress or the White House that helped these groups identify the target list and put Congresswoman Presley? I mean, Nancy Pelosi is infamous, right? Vice President Pence, infamous. They, they were going to target some of those people, but did they all know who Presley was? Did they all know who the members right. of the squad were? Uh, and of course, there were others. There were, there were at least 20, if not more, members mm -hmm. of Congress by name that they were hunting that day, hunting like prey. Okay. And so once they got in, they had plans. They had the plans to the building to know where to go to find their offices. And this is what happened once they got inside that while some people were walking through the Hall of Flags and Hall of Statues and what have you, there were specific groups that were following their instructions and they were looking for these specific offices. They were trying to break down the doors to get in and they were trying to, at that point, at least kidnap those specific members of Congress, House or Senate. And then that what they were going to do with them next, I mean, I don't think it takes a wild imagination to understand it wasn't going to end well. They wanted to hang Mike Pence. They wanted to murder Nancy yes, Pelosi. They, they were clearly going to kill these people. And if they didn't kill them, they were going to seriously injure them in some way. And so the fact that they were dismantling, uh, excuse me, disconnecting their panic button shows that there was inside information, that somebody was helping. And that's where the tours come in, because we know for a fact that there were tours given in advance of January 6th. We know for a fact that people on those tours were the same people that attacked the Capitol on January 6th. The question is, did the congressional staffers, these were, these were private tours, these were not public tours. These were private tours being given by members of Congress, Republican members of Congress and their staffers. Did they know, were they doing this because it was a constituent service or did they know that these were some of the individuals who were going to do something on January 6th, because that would be criminal if they did. If they mm -hmm. knew or should have known, then they can be held criminally responsible for what happened. If they just thought that these were random people from their constituency that they were giving a tour to, and I'm not saying I think there's, that that's it. I don't think that's what it is, uh, certainly not in most cases. You know, Then that might be just an unfortunate coincidence. But uh, I believe when the evidence comes out, if we get it, 
we're going to know that there was inside assistance in identifying the target list, identifying how to find those offices, because it's a maze in there. Ken can tell you, you worked on the Hill. It's a maze in there. And, uh, and of course, an inside job in dismantling their, their communications and their defenses. And if I'm not mistaken, if I remember correctly, that one of the explosive devices that was found on January 6th, if I'm not mistaken, they said that this device was actually placed in a very strategic place, which let them believe that there was definitely inside information. Right. If, if, uh, am I mistaken? There, that, no, that you're that right. There is no doubt. There is no doubt that they knew where to go and how to get there. And that could only be as a result of, of direct assistance from someone. Ken, anything to add to that? Yeah, a couple of things. Number one, I want to, talk about the panic buttons because I worked on Capitol Hill. Okay. And you need to understand <clears throat> what these panic buttons are. These are hardwired. They're not Wi-Fi. They're hardwired systems that go to the Capitol Police, the Washington D Police, the Secret Service, and the FBI. They are there and staff take training. And I was a staff member, so I took training on this. When you use them and how you use them and what level response. When those things are activated, the Capitol gets shut down. Everybody goes into uh, mode. Those, the only time you're supposed to use them, and, the, and this was the instructions I had, was when you believe either your member, a senator or a congressperson, <clears throat> or you are an imminent and immediate, immediate threat of death or serious bodily injury. Yep. These things are not done for because a couple of people get lost on a tour and start acting obnoxious or burning flags. This is Armageddon time. They are constantly checked. They're constantly checked to make sure they're, they are working properly. The fact that one goes down, that's an embarrassment. Two goes down, that's concerning. But when six go down, that's a conspiracy. And not only did these people, here's the other thing. All of the panic devices have anti-tampering sensors on them. The only way you can disable them and not show up on a board someplace is somebody with a high degree of technological knowledge and a high clearance level because when they get tampered with it shows up in the maintenance place so whoever this was had to have a very high security clearance level to get around the anti-tampering devices we know for a fact that they did recon work and they got private tours and they knew where they were going i worked on capitol hill twice once as an intern once as a staff member i can assure you that it is, like Rob said, amazed we'll be putting it politely. And it's done on purpose. You're, you're supposed, not supposed to know how to get around there unless you need to know. Mm -hmm. So there's no way these people just got to, you know, knew exactly what they were doing and got in the speaker's offices and got into the members of the squad without a lot of prep work, without maps, without guidance, without this. So this, not, yeah, no, no, sorry. Yeah, A for effort, that's... F for execution. Scary, scary stuff. Okay, moving on. Uh, one of you guys, I forget, called this one. Um, Ex-prosecutor Jackie Johnson. I don't know if you guys all remember this. Ahmaud Arbery case down there in Georgia. Um, the men who were charged with this, we knew that there was funny business all the way around. Jackie Johnson was the prosecutor who was working and assigned to that case. Um, they have found out that she actually... You know, it was already rumored that she was friends with one of the guys who were involved with the murder of Ahmaud Arbery. 
but she they're now finding out that she did try the shield and cover this whole thing up if it wasn't for it hitting social media we probably would have never found out about this and it would have just went on its merry way as it usually does happen but um she is now being charged and indicted on a felony count um i don't know who might be uh, more familiar with what she's being charged with as far as shielding and being a prosecutor um r squared or ken uh which one you want to take this r squared or you Sure, I'll, I'll offer some thoughts since I was a prosecutor. The uh, the idea is that a prosecutor can be charged with obstruction of justice when they interfere with the investigation process or the prosecution process. And even if they play a role in it or, or whether it's somebody else's case, if they interfere with it, it's a felony. And so I remember when this event occurred and we were talking about it on the show uh, and, and we, you know, we were using the news reports that had said a couple of things. Number one, that at first the uh, father son team, the father was a uh, law enforcement officer or retired law enforcement officer known to this group. And so they slow walked it. We saw that it was slow walked. And one of the things that came about was first, they got probably too much uh, deference or preferential treatment, then uh, what we have is the hesitation in uh, making an arrest, hesitation in filing charges, you know, just hesitation along the way. Now, obviously, prosecutors have tremendous discretion, and most of the time they need that because there are things involving the case that each step they take triggers speedy trial, triggers other things, and you can't go faster than you're capable of going. You have ethical responsibilities. But in this particular case, you had a prosecutor that was intentionally slowing down the process and protecting these individuals. Uh, to what end, I don't know. Maybe they thought it would go away. But this is clearly obstruction of justice, and it's possible it could grow into something else. And I remember we talked about possible obstruction of justice at the time, mm -hmm. because you cannot do what she did. And this is what happens sometimes when, you know, when you've got a member of, of your side, so to speak, you know, law enforcement officer or, or prosecutor or something like that. This is why a lot of people say there needs to be an independent prosecutor or the attorney general's office or somebody that takes over these cases because law enforcement and district attorneys have to, by necessity, work very closely. And 99% and of the time, that's great. It produces good results. But when you have somebody that has violated the law, uh, violated standards, needs to be held accountable, and they hesitate to do that because of their prior working relationship, either individually or because of the two organizations, you've got serious problems. And this is where we get in. This is where we get into problems with the system right now. That there needs to be an outside look. That's what happened in Minnesota. That's what happened in in other places where you see the attorney general's office comes in, um, not with that relationship, not with that bias, whether it's conscious or subconscious, uh, and they can take a fresh look at this thing and, and put these cases on the right track. So this prosecutor is done. I mean, there's, there's no rebound from this. And I can see Ken steaming over here because we had a similar thing here in Massachusetts that oh, it was on Netflix, the Andy Duku thing who, you know, was fixing evidence and she was actually having a relationship with a prosecutor that she should not have had. And this prosecutor, he ended up stepping down. I don't, Ken, I see you kind of steaming over this whole thing. I know you want to bite at the bit on this one. Yeah, I mean, this is a problem that, that unfortunately occurs more times than we want to admit. The incestuous relationship between the police departments and the DAs. Now, they do have to work together. I agree with, with R-squared, but there's always supposed to be that Chinese wall between the two. 
the police supposed to investigate and then hand it over to the DA when they're supposed to do an independent review of whether the evidence is there or not to prosecute. Most of the time, you know, they're going to go, they're going to fall along the side of the police and go forward. But that's the problem is a lot of the times and, and defense counsel has made accusations and I'm afraid it's founded that a lot of times the DA's offices will work, serve as sort of the in-house counsel for the police departments. And that's not their role. The police right. departments have their own in-house counsel. Okay, they all do. The DA is supposed to be an independent arm and supposed to take only cases where they think they can get to trial and also to prosecute <coughs> if police are, are committing malfeasance. And that's the problem, they don't do it. Right. And that's what you're seeing here. And this happens more times than not. And and every time we raise the issue, you know, we always get, the, oh, you're just raising the issue. You know, this is, you know, the police can be trusted, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> what if you go onto the websites of all 12 DAs, there's all of them have now called um, prosecution integrity divisions. That's a nice way of saying that they have now set up a separate division to look at the conduct of the police departments in their county because it's been malfeasance has been going on for so long Ooh. for so so many times and they only set up a separate division to make sure that they don't get caught with their pants down and they can make sure everything is done by the numbers. So is that kind of like their own internal affairs? Yeah. Department? Right. Almost exactly. IAD? Exactly. Gotcha. Wow. I didn't know that 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 came to be. So moving on. That's after the Annie Dukin, after the Brady disclosures that are occurring, you're finding out more and more. There's also um, a a recent case that came down from the SJC, which says that one of the things that you can now file a motion to suppress on is if if you can establish by statistical evidence that people that members of the minority community were targeted by police departments. That's ground for a motion to suppress, even if the traffic violation they were pulled over pulled over for was legitimate. And mm-hmm. now we're finding incredible amounts of information where police departments were telling their officers how to target minority uh, individual minority communities without running afoul of current law. And we're there, there's memos on this stuff and training memos on this stuff. Wow. Crazy stuff. We got some breaking news coming up when we get to the sports booth. Some more sad news for the New England Patriots. I got to get into, but we're going to stick with the legal booth here. Moving on in the legal booth. Um, We talk about this guy about as much as we talk about the governor and them down there in Florida. Governor Abbott from Texas. He signs a new GOP voting restriction into law. I'm going to let Ken get into this exactly what's happened. You know, this made news. Um, They pushed it right through, and now he's signed off on this. This is going to be big in these upcoming elections and in the next presidential election. You want to talk about the Yeah, very quickly. This is this is voter suppression 101. I'm not going to get into all the details. There are 30 or 40 things they make illegal, including offering water to people who are standing online, uh, driving people to the polls, assisting people when they're balloting, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. This is voter suppression 101. It's already being going to be challenged. They've already said it's going to be challenged. I Biden's already said he's going to take a challenge to this. And this stems from the fact that there was a couple years ago, the Supreme Court decided to take the um, say that there was no longer necessity for Southern states who had a tradition of disenfranchising non-white voters uh, before they changed their voting laws, they had to get the approval of the DOJ. They, the Supreme Court said, ah, we don't need to do that anymore. 
and now all these voting restrictions are coming down and it's, it's simply horrible and it's disgusting. Another example of how the GOP does not want fair elections. They knew if they actually have everyone voting, they're going to lose because they've got a, they are a minority party. They represent rural, white, mainly people with limited or no education beyond the high school area. And that's, and they, there's, those are not that many people in Texas, believe it or not. So you want to add on that, Robert? Yeah. I mean, just everything Ken said is right. I agree a hundred percent. The thing that what's going on, you know, you, there are, you know, 40 something states that pass these restrictive laws, but a few of the states were much more serious than others to include, you know, Georgia, Texas, Arizona, and some others. And there were a couple of things that they did. They are clearly voter suppression laws. That's exactly what the intent is. There's no doubt about it. They can call it what they want to, but it's voter suppression because everything, if you look at the series of measures that they've enacted, none of them were proven necessary by the facts. And they were all designed to hinder the ability to vote in minority communities based on closing polling locations, based on not allowing the flexible methodology of voting, none of which has produced fraud, by the way, that these communities rely on. For example, if you work for a living, which most people do, uh, you know, sometimes your employer might give you an hour off to vote, but that's not enough if you have to get home and go wait in line. And uh, so what you have is most people took advantage of drop boxes. Most people took advantage of drive-through you know, drive voting and what have you. I'll give you an example. Drive-through voting is actually safer or the, as safe as anything else. Why? Because you have to show your driver's license. Your driver's license is a state-issued sealed driver's license, photo ID. It has your picture. Uh, it has a seal on it. Uh, it it's, it's you know, hard to, it's hard to manufacture that and, and certainly has to look like you. Uh, and then, you know, so drive-through voting actually has safeguards in it, but yet they, they shut that down because it was, you know, a source of convenience to allow people who work for a living, mostly in minority communities where there were long lines at the polls to be able to vote. So that's just one example. So it's clear um, that what they were trying to do is prevent people to, from voting in communities that normally didn't vote for them. Now, some of the things that they're doing, um, they were much more clever about it this time. And, and so they, they were careful to not you know, use language that would make it look like that. And so you have to be willing to read between the tea leaves. And so we all know, I mean, if you read this and you see what they're doing, it, it doesn't take you know, a lot of effort to figure that out. But they don't, you know, you have to be able to prove it too. So it's going to be, some of these cases are going to be <clears> difficult. Now, what's interesting, what should scare people is, is not, I mean, obviously voter suppression is evil and, and, and you know, that should scare people, but the, the states blatantly passed provisions that allow the state to take over local elections boards when they don't like the results and change the results. Okay, it actually says that. Uh, in some of these in Georgia, in Texas, in Arizona. And so, for example, in Georgia, after the last election, you had the Secretary of State, Mr. Raffensperger, who stood up to tremendous pressure. His successor is now a Trumpist guy. Uh, under the new law in Georgia, if they don't like the results coming out of, let's say, Fulton County or some other Democratic stronghold, or maybe a, a, a closer jurisdiction, then they can simply go in there and change it. They can simply replace those election officials, put their own people in there and change the results. It's that blatant. And so that's what should scare people because they think they could get away with that. 
Now, we'll see what the Supreme Court does or anybody else if right. it goes up the legal channel. So far, there have been some interesting results, but that's what should scare people. And if you, you know, you know, obviously Texas has been in the, in the news a lot lately. The only thing I could say about Texas is, you know, it's a good thing that it has a tremendous amount of desert because it's the new home of the Taliban, apparently. Oh, 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 and hey, don't don't remember people. Texas was also during the when COVID was getting really bad. Texas was the one that talked about breaking away that we had that discussion come out of Texas. They were actually talking about breaking away from the U.S. and becoming their own entity. So it doesn't surprise me at all the craziness that's going on. And, that, and that's going to segue right into my next topic coming out of Texas, which is the six-week abortion ban that went into effect. The Supreme Court actually stayed silent. They actually voted. They, you know, they're going to support it. But what I don't understand here is that I just heard a story that the Department of Justice may act on behalf of the 50 states. I don't know who would know this one, but how can the DOJ step in and override what the SJ, the Supreme Court is okay, allowing okay. Texas to do? So I, I'm okay. confused here. A couple of things. Number one, what the Supreme Court, and this got me a little confused until I read the decision, the Supreme Court did not say Texas's law was valid. Okay. What they refused to do was put a hold on it while it was appealed. That's what they refuse to do. It's being appealed. Normally what the situation does is the Supreme Court will come in and say, nope, Texas, cool your jets. The law is not going to be put in play, uh, not be allowed to be enforced at this point. They didn't do that. And what's interesting is Judge Roberts joined the three liberal members to make it a 5-4 decision saying, no, this is a breaking of precedent. We usually let, we don't want to have a situation where if we later find the law unconstitutional, what happens to all these people's convictions? What the Biden administration is doing is saying, mm. look, medical providers are licensed by both the state and the federal government. All medical providers carry what we call a DEA license for narcotics and other things like that. And they're gonna say, no, we're gonna say, Texas, you can't tell a physician not to perform a legally authorized procedure. Because you're trampling, you're saying there's a federal right to it. Therefore, Texas, you're interfering. You're going on our where we you're going on our bailiwick. We're going to shut you down. Remember, states can't give you can give you more rights than the federal government, but they can't give you less. So, Planned Parenthood versus Casey said that redefined that the abortion was was a right, and the states could regulate it. They just couldn't ban it. Mm. And in parent plan her <clears throat> case, they were very clear to say that that if the use of regulations made the made the equivalent of banning abortion, that law was unconstitutional. And that's what everyone is saying the Texas law is. It basically it violates Planned Parenthood versus Casey. So this is so so we need to pay more attention to the Planned Parenthood versus Casey case versus right. The Roe versus Wade, the, the Planned right. Parenthood Casey case is more important right. when it comes to this ban. Yes. Uh, sco- yeah, okay, cool. Because uh, every time we've had these regulations, come, they come down, they, they, the, the federal courts have been like, no, this is not meant for health and safety reasons. You're trying to get a backdoor ban on abortion. Nice try. A for effort. F for execution. Oscar, uh, anything to add to that? 
Well, yeah, I mean, what these states are trying to do is get the Supreme Court to overrule not just Roe versus Wade, but Casey versus Planned Parenthood, because that's it. it, it they go together, as Ken was saying. And so, <clears throat> you know, if they're willing to overrule one, they'll overrule both, because what they're trying to say, what they want the majority mm. of the Supreme Court to say is that it's it really is not a federal issue protected any longer. It's really a state issue that each state can regulate, which is what it was before Roe versus Wade. And so if it, the Supreme Court you know, if you've got five justices, when they hear one of these cases, Mississippi has one coming up, Texas has one coming up, Missouri has one coming up, um, Florida's about to pass one. So, you know, there are a number of these cases, any one of which could be the one that the Supreme Court uses. Now, if you look at, do they have five, you know that Thomas Alito, uh, Gorsuch, and Kavanaugh probably, and I think that, Coney Barrett, uh, I think I think the five of them are very likely to vote to overturn Casey and Roe and turn it back to the states. Uh, I mean, that's what they promised to do when they were appointed to the court. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know how that's not going to happen unless the case is so outrageous that they can't do it, that they have to wait for another opportunity. But they control, you know, six to three. And if Roberts, you know, tries to uphold precedent, it's still five to four. So, you know, we'll have to see what what comes of this. Um, You know, we've talked about it on the show, I think, before. I don't know. But, you know, legally, Roe versus Wade, because it's 50 years old, more than 50 years old from the evidence that was presented, uh, was based very heavily on existing medical technology and medical science from the 1960s. And, you know, what what's been obvious, if you watch the last several years, is that the uh, the folks behind these these laws are using the change in medical uh, evidence? For example, in Roe, you couldn't detect a fetal heartbeat, and so the standard was. And I don't want to get into a big legal discussion, but Ken will remember this. In the first trimester, there were no real medical signs of life; therefore, the state had very limited ability to regulate. In the last trimester, there were signs of life, and the state would have more ability. Right? When I say state, I mean the government, federal or state would have more ability to regulate that. Uh, And so that's a very brief and not fair discussion of Roe, but that's what the evidence was based on. As the technology has changed, as you can, as viability occurs much earlier than it did in the 1960s, you know, fetal viability was one of the conditions of the trimester theory that Roe puts out and fetal heartbeat and, and those type of things. As, as medicine has advanced where, um, you know, you could not safely, but you could, but uh, you could, uh, you give birth prematurely and now the baby lives um, at a much earlier stage than it used to and, and that type of thing. So that complicates Roe because it complicates the legal analysis that determine when the states have power and when, they, when the government has power and when it does not. So to some extent, Casey versus Planned Parenthood is the key because it said instead of following that trimester and, and medical science, it said that abortion is simply a right, although it's based on Roe and still based on some of that evidence. So it'll be very interesting to me, um, not that I want this to happen, but I think it's going to be very interesting to see the gymnastics performed in these arguments before the Supreme Court and the briefs uh, and to see what what between four and six of the justices will come down with um, <clears throat> On, on this type of thing. It's, it's very, legally, it's very interesting from a political standpoint, from, from people who are concerned about the ramifications of what's happening here. Obviously, it's very scary, but it, it'll, be, uh, it, it'll be interesting to see how these cases come up.
Wow. Oh, good stuff. And staying with this band, there was a $10,000 bounty put out on anybody if you were to take somebody to get an abortion on this band. And I'm just going to put this up right here for those watching. Um, Lyft, which provides rides, uh, put a whole statement out there about this law. And they said they want to be clear that their drivers are never going to be responsible for monitoring where their riders go. Um, as you guys can see here, both are completely unacceptable. They, they, they pretty much ripped this law apart. Um, and then they broke it down in their legal way of saying that, um, you know, this isn't going to happen. And Lyft has actually created a driver's legal defense fund to cover a hundred percent of any legal fees for any drivers in Texas who are sued under this new ban. Um, Lyft is stepping right up. They're donating also $1 million to Planned Parenthood to ensure that transportation is never a barrier to healthcare access. And if you want to join and, and make a donation, you can do so at Lyft and, and check out their site and make a donation in regards to that. That's, that's huge of them to step up <clears throat> and say, hey, we're not going to allow our drivers to be hit with a, a $10,000 bounty, which is just obscene and just I, I just can't believe it it's it's craziness i'm heading into the entertainment booth real quick uh join lucas sold out the worcester palladium local artist join lucas came home performed the first annual joiner fest i was able to check it out with my boys and it was a great time also rest in peace michael k williams od 54 years old he's known as omar in the wire which i you can beat me up and bash me i've never watched the wire i'm gonna have to check oh it out how could you not oh yeah. You will have to watch it before we get uh, next month. Oh, one yeah. of the best shows ever, and his performance. Oh, I've heard it really? was good, but I have not watched it either. You, so oh God, both of you. Oh, <laughs> can't watch everything. Watch, yeah, Wire and Game of Thrones. I'm behind on, but a lot of people have told Actually, me to check it out. Between the Wire and Game of Thrones, and I love Game of Thrones. Watch the Wire first. That's how good watch it is. The Wire first. Okay. Uh, also, in entertainment news, Abba to release. Voyage, their first album in 40 years. They put out some jams. I just got to say I'm kind of excited for this release, and I'm going to stick to it. Sports Booth, as I said, we've got some breaking sad news here in the Sports Booth. On top of us losing wide receiver David Patton to a motorcycle accident at 47, um, breaking news just broke. Sam Bam Cunningham, running back for the New England Patriots, has passed away. He was 71 years old. He was a crowd favorite um, coming out of USC. He was selected by the Patriots. He was 11th pick in 1973. Um, here, his finishing all-time leading rusher with the Patriots. He was 5,453 yards and 43 rushing touchdowns. He's number two on the team below Jim Nance. So our prayers and blessings go out to Sam Bam Cunningham's family and also the family of David Patton. So here in Patriots Nation, um, this game against Miami is going to be heavy hearts, heavy hearts. Also here in Patriot Nation, numbers have been changed. Uh, Nikhil Harry got Cam Newton's number one, and Nelson Aguilar got number 15, which is what Nikhil Harry was wearing. And also in Sports Booth, our very own Ken Diesel right there with Pat the Patriot. Ran on Gillette this past weekend. Just talk about kind of what went on real quick there. You got your little medal in the picture. 
Yeah, sure. Every year, the New England Patriots Foundation, which is a charitable arm of the New England Patriots, sponsors a 5K, five-kilometer road race where you start and end at Gillette. You start at level one of Gillette Stadium. You run out of Gillette Stadium, run around the parking lot, and you finish at the 50-yard line uh, at Gillette Stadium, which is really cool. It's a fundraiser for the Accepted Foundation. I ran it last Friday, me and 1,400 of my closest and dearest friends. And one of the things you got was, in addition to the medal, you got your photo, you can take your photograph with Pat the Patriot, which is really cool. So it's a big shout out to the Patriot organization. Uh, I think the the rough the rough numbers are in. They raised about fifty thousand dollars. Could probably be a little more with the corporate donations coming in. They usually raise around close to seventy to hundred thousand dollars. Right now, just in the entry fees alone, they raised about fifty thousand dollars. So nice, good job, good job. Um, also, we got more breaking news just before we get into our Biden bombshells. Um, <clears throat> Suffolk County District Attorney Rachel Rollins is seeking to erase the rape conviction of a man serving a life sentence. So here's what's happened here. There was a gentleman who's been in jail since 1973 for a rape here in Massachusetts. He was up for parole and the victim has now wrote a letter to the parole board saying that she may not have ID'd the right person. Um, we are seeing this quite a bit. Um, Rachel Rollins is now looking to erase this gentleman's rape conviction, but I mean, how old would this guy be now? Uh, Ken, can you kind of just walk us through what happens here? Because I guess when this woman wrote this letter to the parole board, the parole board had to come forward and be like, whoa, okay, Jesus. There was some steps that they were going to have to go through, but I guess Rachel Rollins is going to step up and try to get this erased. Yeah, well, well that erased. Let, let's let's say what the, you don't erase the conviction. What you do is you file a motion to vacate okay. the conviction based on newly discovered evidence that was not available at the time. And in fact, they, she may have misidentified this individual. This happens, unfortunately, in a lot of cases involving identification. There's a number of laws I'm not going to get into. I could spend the next three hours talking about the Creighton decision and a number of other decisions about identification. The SJC came out with a rather lengthy report about the problems of identification. Uh, and let's just say it would scare the crap uh, scare the crap out of anyone who was not a criminal defense attorney. A criminal defense attorney has been saying, yeah, we've been saying this for 100 years, that identification is inherently unreliable. Because I actually, so I actually that, saw, that's a, I, I actually saw a show where they actually showed how police can coerce victims into picking certain people who yeah. they may have, and I saw it. I saw this show, and it was it was some scary stuff as to how they can manipulate somebody into believing something just by using simple words, you know. And right. I was like, wow, that is. Scary because you know the cops want the arrest. Uh, Vian Marie in the chat says, How about we make it even more simple and not try to regulate what bodies exactly true? Chris Gagney, what's going on? I see you in the chat. Anything you want to add to this? Um, R squared on this one? That's no, it makes uh, totally right. It's it's a shame when that happens. You know, who knows why she waited this long to correct the record, but um, I guess you know it's the right thing to do if it's if it's. You know, if he didn't do it, but it's it's a shame that it had to take this long. Yeah, and, and I don't even think you get um, 
you know, when you get wrongfully jailed, sometimes they pay you back. But I don't even think this gentleman will get paid back in this case, right, Ken? Well, no, no. What happened? There is no not Massachusetts. There is no fund. A couple of states have developed very small funds for wrongfully conviction, but Massachusetts is not one of them. And it's oh. unlikely it's going to occur anytime soon. Oh, okay. All right. Well, as you guys saw, Ken making his run around Gillette Stadium. Big news, Boston Marathon Runners for 2021. If you're running the marathon this late October when you run it, um, you're going to need proof of COVID vaccination or you're going to have to have a negative test. I totally agree with this. Um, your runners are bunched up. They're all together. You know, I believe that they should have a proof of vaccination or a negative test. I, 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 and anybody who's out there crying and saying their rights are being stamped upon, it's not. Let's let's be honest here. Biden bombshells. Uh, Joe Biden was caught in a lie. Uh, they're making a big, big deal out of it. I guess what happened is, is Joe Biden claims that he actually went to visit the Tree of Life synagogue after they had that deadly shooting. He actually called the rabbi of the synagogue. He actually spoke with that gentleman. Um, but as we all know, Foggy Joe sometimes, and I blame his people. I blame his people for making sure made sure that you know he didn't say what he said. He said he went there. He didn't go there. And now if there's this big ado about it. Let's come on, people. There's a lot more things to be worried about than whether he went or didn't go. It's you know I I just and I would say the same thing if it was Trump in office. Um, closing. We got about four things here. We're gonna close out. Go a little bit over, but. Uh, the Taliban has announced a new government, and in this new government, they actually have a gentleman who's within this government that has like an $8 million bounty issued by the FBI. Um, uh, Squid, you want to talk about the knowledge? Have you, are you up on this one, this this new government and this guy that's in place? No, I didn't uh, see the story. I saw the story about the government, but not this particular individual. Yeah, this particular individual. I don't know if Ken heard about it. I guess he's got an $8 million bounty on his head from the FBI. He is oh, whoa, whoa. supposedly let, let, responsible let, let. for six deaths Hold in a on terrorist a attack. Go ahead. It's not a bounty on the FBI. Let's, let, let, let's clarify exactly what it is. He is a person of interest in a, new, in a number of terrorist actions that have led to the death of six people. The FBI is offering a reward right. okay. of up to $6 million for information that leads to the capture and conviction of this individual it's not a bounty you don't just grab this guy and drag yeah. him in and collect your money yeah it, it, you it's have a, you give information to the fbi if they then get him through a legal procedure and he's convicted you can get up to six million dollars yeah it, it's obviously not a bounty but the point is that if this guy you know he committed allegedly has committed i don't know how much evidence they have uh some serious terrorist acts that for the amount of money and, and number of deaths and so what complicates it is if he becomes a member of this new Taliban government, then in addition to his criminal status, he now has a governmental status. And that would make it very difficult, legally speaking, for the United States to try to uh, you know, take action against him, because uh, even though we would have a right to do it, he's now a member of the government. My view of that. Um, you know, obviously, we don't have relations with Afghanistan at the moment with the Taliban government. We, it's possible that we could recognize them if they meet certain conditions. The, the world, including you know, the United Nations and the Western world, NATO countries, are prepared to, to recognize them, uh, but they have to live up to certain obligations before we would do that. That would make it a little bit more complicated if we've recognized them. But it's, uh, you know, you, 
imagine the scandal, you know, normally in the war on terror, we would send a team in and pick up a terrorist no matter where in the world they were. And sometimes we've had to apologize for violating you know, the sovereignty of a host nation where we found them. We, you know, that's happened in Pakistan. That's happened in Italy. I mean, it's happened all, you know, all kinds of places where we send in a team and beg forgiveness if we get caught. And, uh, you know, so I can imagine that if this guy is that serious on the wanted list for that type of thing, it, it you know, I, I certainly don't know, but it certainly could be possible that they could be planning to try to get him. Uh, and that's just going to complicate matters even further. But if he's, you know, if there's evidence that he committed terrorism at that level, then, um, you know, they'll have to see what, what they want to do about it. We don't do assassination in the United States. Oh, that we wow. admit to. Wow. We've oh. got our first. Our government uh, doesn't. Gloria Miller is in YouTube. Um, she's responding to our thoughts on the Texas ban. She says there is not sufficient evidence to support any conclusions on the comparative safety of mRNA vaccines. Direct evidence on the comparative safety of mRNA vaccines is lacking. Um, so that's going back to um, our discussion earlier with Ivectin, and then she says, keep abortion safe and deadly, which is, I'm sure she's being sarcastic, and she just called us, <laughs> and I'm going to show this. Actually, YouTube is giving me the, do I want to show it or hide her comments? No, I'm going to show her comments. You know why? Because when you have people like this, who, and somebody said to me before, they said, when you go back and forth with people on your on your page Keith they're like why don't you just delete them because I think when people show themselves or show their opinions where they eventually deteriorate down to show the true person they are I want people to see that deterioration down so she says keep abortion safe and deadly being sarcastic and she called us behold three soulless gutless men I think that's a new title for the three of us Soulless, gutless men. The three of us is what she's I, called. You know, I, 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 I would been stack up any of our public a... service achievements against this whack job. So, <laughs> you know, Get... I got no problem being called a man, and yeah, I'm probably soulless. I sold my soul a long time ago, but gutless, no one's ever going to hand, hand that to me. I will go any place, anywhere, and argue with anyone. So, no. I I think the next time you guys come on the show, I'll introduce us as the three soulless, gutless men. Thank you, Gloria Miller, for that chuckle. I love it. You're entitled to say what you want. I'm not going to delete your comments. I'm going to leave them there for everybody to see. (laughs) Unbelievable stuff. Really funny. I hope she's still online so she can hear us kind of laugh about it. Um, Also, hey, I like the fact with these next two stories that the military has a great sense of humor. So when the Afghan troops left behind equipment and the U.S. troops left, there was a lot of old Trump supporters and stuff complaining about the vehicles and things that were left behind for the Taliban. Everybody talked about this. Everybody talked about that. And they were bashing Biden and Biden should be this. And, and two of the stories here. I saw this one because I actually saw a video on YouTube. I thought it was funny. Um, Taliban fighters feel betrayed because the helicopters, some of the Black Hawk helicopters and stuff that was left behind 
are shoddy. Why are they shoddy? Because I can see some special forces guys going in and disrupting the electrical equipment. So when you try to take off in these helicopters, guess what? Like the video we saw of a helicopter spinning in circles because something was incapacitated in the electronics of that Blackhawk helicopter that everybody thought we left behind. And then in my next story, Taliban fighters were also upset because as the military came back, as we found out, the U.S. military actually was sent out before the last few planes left, and they destroyed Humvees and other equipment. So I was sitting here saying to myself, somewhere, someplace, some special ops guys are laughing their butts off. I'm going to let I square because I seen you chuckle a little bit because I know you were probably sitting here and seeing all these people on social media talking about they left all this behind, and I'm like, I'm pretty sure the U.S. military made sure that they will account for that stuff and disable that stuff in the best way they know how. I, I'll let you explain it. First of all, this is common practice in this sense that anytime we've been at a location for a while where you've had multiple iterations of people and you know equipment is ending the, the life cycle, uh, it's, uh, it's been determined a lot of times to be more economical to destroy the equipment than ship it all home. And so this is not unique to Afghanistan. We did it in Iraq. We did it in a lot of places that when equipment is no longer usable, it's past its life cycle for maintenance and everything else retrofitting, then we just destroy it. And I, I don't know if they destroyed it enough. We don't want them to be able to reverse engineer it or try to fix it or, or what have you, even strip it for parts. I'm, I'm assuming they did a good enough job um, where it's not usable no matter what they try to do with it. So that part is, is normal and true and, and correct. We would never give them that stuff. The problem is that we know that when the Af Afghan National Army deserted, which is what they did, they deserted their posts and they, they abandoned their equipment. They, in some cases, they just gave it, literally handed it to the Taliban. So it wasn't destroyed. You know, the uh, um, uh, uh, rifles, um, Humvees, uniforms, even some night vision goggles, things that we gave them that were working, the Taliban obviously has that are working because they got them directly from the Afghan National Army. Um, or the Afghan National Army just left them there without destroying them and the Taliban were able to get them. So we know that they have some stuff. They just don't have some of the good stuff that the U.S. forces left behind because we don't leave stuff behind. We destroy it. And I saw some of the stuff that was left behind and I had this... The, the pictures of and a lot of the stuff wasn't that new stuff. It was a lot of older vehicles and stuff. Go ahead, Ken. Yeah, here's the other other thing you need to understand. And this occurred after the '79 revolution in Iran. Yes, they got all this wonderful equipment, but what the Taliban doesn't have are spare parts. <laughs> equipment breaks down, and it's not like you can go out to local Lowe's and pick up a new engine block for your Humvee. The only place you get the Humvee parts are from. <laughs> so as a good as a good Air Force veteran, a good friend of the show, you know Lieutenant Colonel John J. Dix. Yeah. Likes to refer to the, all the stuff, the equipment that got left as the world's biggest and the biggest, baddest, ugliest paperweight. That's what it what it is. That's for these rifles. Rifles are very effective as long as they have one small thing. Ammo. Thank you. <laughs> so unless they get the ammo. Basically, you got a very nice, expensive club. And as for reverse engineering, we're talking about people who, yeah. you know, <laughs> not exactly science and engineering aren't exactly the top of their 
shall we say? It's not like it's Russia. Don't, 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 don't sell them short, though, because they're bringing in those people. They have That's money. true. And they're That's bringing true. in those people. They've like, been doing like it already. China. Yeah. yeah, like China. They're bringing oh, yeah. in people to do that. And it may not be that the Taliban, it may be that the Chinese are getting our that, equipment. That, that's agreed. Mm. That's the bigger problem is who's going to reverse it. Who, who are they going to give this stuff to? Reverse it. But if you're worried about the Taliban, I'm not worried about the Taliban. I'm worried about who they're going to give it to. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Got a couple more things here before we get out of here. Uh, Mitch McConnell tells the GOP to pump their brakes on using the I word. There was several members. I want to say about five members of the GOP because... Mostly everybody else in the GOP pretty much defended Biden. Uh, but you've got these five guys that want to stay in the trenches, whatever reasons, we all know why. Um, but they're throwing around that I word, impeachment word, and even Mitch McConnell had to come out, R squid. You want to get on this one real quick? Well, yeah, first of all, there, there, there are simply no grounds to impeach President Biden, uh, certainly not at this time. And I don't know that there will be, uh, you know, he people may disagree over some of the Afghan policy or, or any other policy, but that's not grounds for impeachment. You have to find some kind of wrongdoing and mm-hmm. uh, and disagreement over policy, even if policy has failed, is not wrongdoings that that would support uh, a ground for impeachment. So, um, you know, the, the, the bigger question, some of them were talking about the 25th Amendment. There's also no grounds for that. Um, yes, he's showing his age, but he's still mentally competent. Um, much more so than Donald Trump, if you listen to the speech Trump gave the other day. Ooh. So, no, I mean, it, it was rambling. It was another one of those incoherent things where he talked about smoke in the world. Did you see that? Uh, you could watch <laughs> it on YouTube, but it was so they, we're, we're, we're in the world and we're part of the universe and the smoke goes here and the smoke goes there. It was, I don't know, I, no one could figure out what the, the hell he was control, talking yeah. about. <laughs> so, you know, and this was a planned speech. It's not like he was asked a question that he didn't know the answer to. So, Let's face it, you know, on Biden's worst day, he's far more competent than Trump. But but either way, it's it's impeachment is not for disagreement over policy, even when policy doesn't work. It's about, you know, specific wrongdoing. And, uh, you know, there's there's just no grounds for it at this point. It's, it's a foolish conversation that, uh, you know, I don't know what the political ramifications would be for them to give it a try, but it's certainly not going to happen. Ken, anything you want to add to that? No, I everything R squared was absolutely correct as usual. So no. All right, moving on to our last topic in the Biden bombshells. Um, unemployment benefits have expired for many. Um, I'm kind of torn over this because you know there are some that that you know there's we can get back to work, but there are some people out there whose industries have not opened back up. I have a friend who usually makes her living off of doing home show conventions for new products. And they really haven't opened up home shows and conventions yet. And that's a big major part of marketing and sales and promotion of products out there. Um, usually around this time, we're getting ready to you know get ready for the uh, the auto shows and home shows and things of that sort at the convention center here, which has been pretty quiet. So there's still a lot of businesses and and corporations that are still shut down and have not been able to open up yet at this time. So it's tough to see those benefits go away. Um, I think, if I'm not mistaken, Ken, if, if it's a business that has not opened back up, will those people still be able to collect benefits? 
Even well, yeah. Benefit. I mean, the, the question is not whether you can collect benefits. The question is the time. You only get unemployment benefits for a certain amount of time. And at the time it's expired, you're SOL. And that was the problem. They wanted to extend the time for receiving benefits, and it was defeated by the GOP. Uh, anything you want to add to that, Osquid? Yeah, I mean, you know, there are certainly some industries that have not completely reopened, but the, the question becomes, are there appropriate jobs out there? It doesn't have to be identical to the one that you had before COVID started. It has to be something appropriate, um, you know, for you to be able to apply for. So, you know, we have to see, I, I guess it's going to be different in different locations and some things have opened up more than others and, and what have you. The, obviously, the, the unemployment numbers, or the, the unemployment rate is pretty low. Um, the economy is pretty good. There are jobs out there. You, you, you don't have to do something dramatically out of your league, but you may not be able to hold out for the perfect job. That's exactly what you were doing before. So, you know, there's, there's a lot going on here. It's, it's not as simple as saying, you know, that, that their industry didn't open up or that the benefits are running out because the, the, the question becomes, uh, you know, there are still people who don't you know, who aren't going back to work because of COVID concerns, childcare, uh, other things, you know, more personalized reasons. And, you know, the problem is, I, I get it. There are states, uh, you know, Florida is one of those states, Texas, there are states where they've made it incredibly dangerous for workers to go back because they've denied vaccine mandates and mask mandates, and they've made it dangerous for people to go back to work. But, um, you know, you have to balance that with the fact that there are still jobs out there. And so, you know, it's a very complicated matter. It's not as easy as saying, you know, one one or the other. And it's tough because, you know, a lot of things have opened people's eyes. And what we're seeing here across the country that's taken a big hit is the restaurant industry, which isn't really a topic. But I just wanted to bring it up because I just saw somebody who owns a business here in Boston, a donut shop, coffee shop. And uh, they made a whole post about the fact that they were closing on Mondays, P.S. Coffee. They're closing on Mondays because people are taking the federal unemployment monies versus working. Um, they put this in a public post. It was It's crazy. It's obscene that they wrote this. And, of course, they ended up being exposed because someone actually posted how much that they made in 2019 versus paying people uh, thirteen fifty an hour. And it was like this incredible amount of money that their company had made. And then somebody outed them for taking $89,000 in PPE money, PPP money. Um, so again, um, with the restaurant industry, I think what happened with this is, is that a lot of people opened their eyes. And I think you're seeing kind of a revolt here where people that work as servers and stuff, they don't want to be working for tips anymore. They want to have a prevailing wage like donut shops. Donut shops were working on tips. And then I forget what happened here, but all of a sudden donut shops couldn't have their employees working for tips anymore. Dunkin' Donuts now has to pay a prevailing wage. So when you go into a lot of Dunkin' Donuts here, there's no more tip cup and you can't tip. And if you do tip the money, the, the franchisee owner takes that money and donates it to a cause because the employees cannot have tips. I don't know what happened. It's something that happened in like the last five years, Ken. Well, no, what happened was, what happened was, they were trying to classify their people working at the counter as servers and pay them less than minimum wage because they was compensated by tips. And they lost that in court. They lost that in a number of, of cases. And a lot, well, here's the problem. A lot of your restaurant industries pre-COVID underpaid their employees. And when those employees thought this was the best job they could find, well, guess what? While they were shut down, these employees found other jobs that paid better. <clears throat> 
and didn't want to come back. And a lot of these restaurants now now don't understand why these people who they want, no, they're not coming back. The people you want aren't coming back for the wages you're paying. You have two choices. Hire people you don't want who are less qualified or pay people more money. The problem is there are people out there, but they're not going to work for the salaries you're giving. Number one. Number two, a lot of these places, they there's no way for the employees to get there. Unless you own a car, there's a lot of places where there's no mass transportation. Well, if you're gonna if you're gonna have a place where to afford a one-bedroom apartment, you need to make at least $50 an hour. And the only jobs out there are $13 an hour jobs. Are you going to have anybody in that area uh, working in a 13-hour job? No. Nope. The last part is the part-time, full-time conundrum. Ooh, ooh, that's a big one. A lot of restaurants and a lot of places figured out they could get a, they could they could get away from the mandatory benefits and the mandatory by making everybody a part time worker. Well, people figured that out and said, "Screw you! I'm not going to do it." Right. So, That's right. They hire a ton of people and keep them under thirty hours. You see that at the supermarkets right. too. The supermarkets make everybody part time so they don't have to pay them any benefits. Walmart's so been doing like that for a- years. Yeah, yeah, that's and, and that, I, I, that I have this argument all been... the time. Well, so I have this argument all the time with people. It's like, look, I guarantee you, you give them a full time job, competitive salary, and benefits, you'll have more people banging on you down your door. And they said, well, we don't want to pay that. Okay, fine. They don't complain about the fact you don't have employees. Yeah, yep. don't complain. Yeah. yeah, that's and that's. I'm surprised the government never stopped, stepped in to stop businesses from doing this little thing that they do, where they keep everybody under thirty hours and. They don't have to pay them benefits. You know, that's just sad. It's just upsetting. Anything you want to add to that, Rob, before we get out of here? No, I agree. All right. So uh, I want to thank everybody for tuning in the show. Those are the Sinister One beanies that you can check out there. Also, I want to appreciate everybody who purchased a Sinister One beanie, as you can see here going through. Also, make sure to check out Oscar Mike Radio, Maddie C Sports for You and Me, Happy Hour with Lito, and Gloria Shays. Talk Back with Gloria Shea, which will be on Saturday, 8.30 tonight. Uh, Ray Mance is on Maddie C Sports for you and me. He is a professional uh, roller hockey guy out of California. He's on to talk about his time doing that. But um, I got to thank these guys for coming on the show again the first Tuesday of every month. I was kind of worried that these guys weren't going to be on today because they, they are celebrating a Jewish holiday this week. Um, but they let me know last month that they would be able to come on the show. Um, so thank you guys for coming on. And we will see you guys, oh my God, October, the first Tuesday in October. Where has this freaking year gone? So are you guys all on board for the first Tuesday in October? Which Hell will be yeah. After, I believe it's after Columbus Day too. So it's after another holiday. No, it's before no, it's Columbus before. Day. Before, oh, it's before Columbus Day. Okay. All right. Yep. Cool. All right. Because Columbus, Columbus Day is the, uh, well, Columbus Day weekend is the 9th, 10th, 11th. And Rob and I have a activity we'll talk about. In November. Oh, okay. And I just want to let people know a little bit of info here to before we get out of here that people may not know, and I'm only going to let you know because I learned it because I work for Logan Airport, um, and I never knew this. Columbus <coughs> is the most traveled holiday here in New England. Columbus Day. You would Holy think itch. it'd be... Yep, you would think yep. it'd be Christmas, you'd think it'd be no, you'd Thanksgiving, but it's not. The biggest holiday 
here is Columbus Day. People come from all over to see the foliage in the New England area. Um, and I never knew this until I started working at Logan Airport. And I, I was like, holy Christ, if you would have made that bet with me, I would have argued with you and said, no way, it's not true. <laughs> I said, there's no way that I, I would think that Christmas or Thanksgiving would be those days. But humongous numbers, humongous numbers come in here for the foliage. Photographers from all over come in to get those pictures, and I just yep. can't believe it. So I got to thank everybody for tuning in the show. Make sure to check out Vianna Marie's music all over streaming outlets everywhere. Again, thank these guys for coming on the show because we are free soulless men. <laughs> Oh, that's gonna. That's just <laughs> Gloria. Thank you for making our night. I don't think we've ever had somebody bash us live like that. That's oh, that was bashing. Oh, <laughs> so I got to thank everybody for tuning in the show. Uh, Eight thirty, Maddie C Sports for you and me. And um, anything you guys want to add before we get out of here? Just gonna go around the horns. Let you say your goodbyes. I squim. Let you go first. No, thanks for a great show. Pleasure to be here. Ken Diesel. No, I wish to thank all of our listeners and viewers, all 12 of them. Shana Tova to everyone. Happy and sweet new year. And guys guys and gals, be safe. Well, actually, 13 now that we've got to add Gloria, who called us. Yeah, 13. Okay. Ooh. <laughs> all right, SpongeBob, do me a favor. Take us home. Well, see you next Tuesday. Thank you for listening to The Booth on Hoobazoo and HatcherRadio.com. Please follow the Facebook page and subscribe to the podcast at Apple Podcast, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. The Booth is a Sinister One production hosted by Sinister One. I've got to start hanging out with friends that are a little more intelligent and understand politics and stuff. It's just that I'm up on this level up here and all my friends are down here. Me, nah. You guys, nah. Maybe a little more down, down here. Screw you guys, I'm going home. I smoke, I drink, I do my thing. These bitches hating, so you know I got to make it plain. Don't do cocaine with your chick, my main. We stick together, true forever, yeah, you know we bang. I miss those days, which was easy. If only I made it, bitch, don't repeat. Now that I done upgraded, I've been upstate, but y'all think I'm playing. And I gotta hit now for these weak assholes who think I ain't slaying. Try me, try me, and I'll probably end up laughing because I never back down. I'm that chick with a clean ass whip. I don't need that shit. It's like I'm my own now. I get hot, I get tired of fussing, fighting, guess I gotta crack down. Don't mess with me, cause on everything, I'ma have to bring the whole city out. W-H-O-O-B-A-Z-O-O, that's your website, enter your website, enter your website, enter your website, enter your website.